Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. But this morning, let me get to the Word of God. I came up here with a message, and when I walked in the door, as oftentimes happens, God says, here's, here's the message for today. And so I'll be sharing some of what I brought, but a lot of this this morning is something that God has laid on my heart for someone or someones. I know it's for someone here today. God has a message for you, and I feel it so strongly in my heart. And I want to start with... Um, Something that happened, you know, is it God, you know, when God taught, when he walked the earth in flesh, in the body of Christ, he often taught through parables and through examples, the, the tree that he cursed, and so on and so forth. I have found in, I was thinking about, as Brother Flick talked about, when he was saved 29 years ago, right, 29? I started to do the math, and me and Sister Kylie were almost twins because we were born almost a few weeks apart. And if I do my math right, it's either 41 or 42 years that it's been since I received the Holy Ghost. It might be 41. I think it was 1972 or 73. But through all those years, I've learned that God speaks to me in different ways. The most prominent way that he'll speak to you, and everybody wants to hear from God, right? Often the greatest way is through the word. You'll be reading the word and God will quicken it to your mind and all of a sudden he'll talk to you through it. But sometimes God sets up those little moments of lessons or teaching by showing you things that are happening in your life to give you sort of a perspective of how you should change. Now, I said that because I don't want you to think I'm real carnal in what I'm going to say next, okay? It, this happened last night, and it was the, the strangest things, and it is going to be carnal because it involves eBay. I sometimes, my son will tell you that sometimes I'm like a uh, bloodhound on a trail when I think about something. I just, I just sort of like to research things, and it's, sometimes I can be... Um, What's the word where you act real quick impulsive? But I've been sort of thinking about something for a while, and once in a while for entertainment, I go and, I go and look at things and see, well, you know, what are they doing? And I had a little something that I wanted to get myself maybe for Christmas or whatever. Nothing big, and it's not. But here's what happened. I've played around with the idea. I've, I've done a lot of research on this, and last night before I went to bed, I thought, you know what? Um, I'm just going to turn eBay on. And I'm going to just see what's closing, what auction is closing at this moment in regards to what I'm looking for. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, and I turned it on, and it said three minutes left. And here's this thing that I've been looking at for a long time, it's, it's brand new, still in the box, and the price is so low, and I'm thinking, 
This can't be right. There's got to be a flaw. And it's got three minutes left. And after three minutes, it's going to go bye-bye, and you'll never get it back again, and people have already been on it. So I'm, what I'm saying is, I'm saying to myself, I have to make a decision. And I can't pray about it right now. I, I did pray. It was a quick prayer because I only had three minutes. And I said, okay, Steve, pay attention. Focus, focus. Three minutes. Read everything over and over again. Make sure that everything's there so that you're protected and that you're not buying something that's damaged or whatever. So I'm reading over it. Okay, da, 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 da. It seems like it's all there. It can't be. It's too cheap. I got to read it again. And then I... It was down to 55 seconds, and I'm saying, you got to make a decision. Either do it or don't do it. So I typed in the next bid number, and my, my little mouse was hovering over place bid. And I'm sort of saying it's 15, 14. You, Steve, you got to make a decision. And then I closed my eyes, and I hit place bid, and I said, well, somebody else is going to bid this up. It's just too good to be true. And then it says, zero, U1. And then I said, what have I done? I didn't think I was going to win. I'm kind of a mean guy. Sometimes I go on and I just bid to break the price up. <laughs> but you know what? It's just sort of entertainment. And that's, but the, that's the sadistic part of Brother Kylie. You know, just sort of. So my daughter was over last night, and I printed this thing out, and I said, Amy, you've got to read over this thing. What am I missing? I'm terrified. It can't be true. I, I made this snap decision in three minutes. And she, well, I won't tell you what my daughter said, but she says, Dad, you're so impulsive. But my point in this is, and this is when I was sitting here in church this morning, the Lord said the reason that I'm allowing, I allowed you to experience that, and I won't know until I get it whether it's what I thought it was, even though they say it's brand new and never been opened, I still don't trust everyone. He said, my people oftentimes bypass those opportunities that I place before them because they refuse to make a decision. I bring about gifts and gracious acts of God and place them in their path. But oftentimes, they allow them to pass by because they are afraid to make a mistake. You ever feel that way? Have you ever passed something by and you were sorry that you did? And you said, why didn't I move? <clears throat> I remember one guy telling me, he says, better to try and to fail than to never try at all. Now, I, I have a scripture, and Sister Liz, if you want to just bring up, um, I think it's 1 Samuel, the third chapter, verse 1 through 14. We all know the story of how Samuel was, uh, was committed to Eli's care and uh, Eli, uh, Samuel's mother had wanted him to be raised in a spiritual environment. 
She had given her child back to God as she at one time was barren and asked for that gift and she was returning her gift, her son, back to God. I'm reading from verse 1 and don't, I, I feel so sorry that I'm just dropping this in your lap, but this is something that the Lord spoke to me just as I was up here. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. And word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. And it happened that that time as Eli was lying down in his place, now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of, the God, of God was. I want to point something out here before I go any further, that people weren't used to hearing from God. It says the word from the Lord was rare in those days, and visions were infrequent. And sometimes in our lives when we're going through periods of mediocrity and we're not actively hearing from the word of God or haven't been inspired for a while through a vision that we aren't listening for him. And that the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I didn't call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down, and the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy after three times. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you shall say, Speak. Speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Notice I like the part, and I don't know if you saw that, but it says the Lord came and stood. The Lord brought his presence close to Samuel and was calling him from a short distance away. Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, Speak, for thy servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house, from beginning to end. For I have told them that I, him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons brought a curse on themselves, and he did not rebuke them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. 
I'm wondering what would have happened if Samuel would not have answered. What would have happened if Samuel would have said, it's just my imagination. It's just something that I need to get over. God was going to call one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. He woke him from sleep. And even though he lived in the house of God, the Bible says he really didn't know him. Is it possible to come to the house of God and to really not know him? To go through all, the, all of the things that we do in the ministry of the temple or of the church, but not be able to recognize his voice when he's speaking to us. Maybe we run to someone else and say, something's going on in my life, I don't understand it. And they say, well, I don't understand it. How often, how often have you went back and said, Lord, I feel the troubling of this, my spirit. I hear something tugging at my heart. Lord, it must be you. Speak to me, I will listen. And then you incorporate into that message I'm your servant. Now that's important because when the master gives directions to the servant, the servant is expected to obey them. A free man isn't under obligation, but a servant who lives in the house of his master is under obligation to follow the direction of the one he serves. I wonder sometimes if we do not want to hear the voice of God because the voice may direct us to do something that we do not want to do. How many times have I talked to people where they say, don't preach to me. I don't want to be responsible for something uh, once I know it. I'd rather live in ignorance and not have to be responsible. I think about, I think it was last week, I don't know if it was Brother Kylie or Brother Meyer, I, someone was preaching about the troubling of the water. I think it might have been Brother Kylie. No, it wasn't, it was Brother Green. It was Brother Green, right. And how the man waited for the troubling of the water. Because of his own physical limitations or of his lack of ability to move, he never seemed to get to the place where he received what he needed. Now the problem with that, that, that story is that the water was only troubled for a little while. The angel, the Bible said, would come down and trouble the waters and the first person into the water would be healed. I thought about that this morning and I thought about how God in your life has placed you near something that can deliver you from the oppression and the bondage that you live in. In this man's case, it was his health. But when God troubles the water that you are close to, you, through your limitations, do not make it to where he is. Now, I feel this way. God would never offer us an opportunity that he would not allow us to partake in. 
In other words, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. In other words, whatever I have to do to get into the place where God can change me, not just in a physical sense, but in the way that I think and what I see and how I live, I will extend every bit of my effort to make it. The Bible tells me, in the day that you seek me, with what? All of your heart. That will be the day that you find me. But to seek God with all of your heart, it involves you making a decision and moving when the water's troubled or God is directing. I remember, oh, it's probably about seven years ago, um, working at Oconomowoc Memorial Hospital and somebody from, uh, that I worked with that attended St. Paul's Lutheran Church coming up to me and saying, hey, listen, our pastor's retiring because of his health. We need someone to come to our Lutheran church and minister to us. Would, would you be willing to do that? And I thought about how this, this opportunity was extended to me and they needed an answer and how cautious I was about it. I don't know if it's the right thing. Should I do it or not? What, are, what will people say if an ordained minister of the church that's born of water, born of spirit, goes into a place that believes differently than what I believe? I need to make a decision. So the first thing I had to do is I had to say, first of all, Lord, it does not matter what other people think. What matters is, is this a God-given moment that you have brought before me that you expect me to take advantage of? And then, like last night on eBay, oh Lord, I sure hope I'm doing the right thing. I sure hope I'm, I'm jumping into the water. And I, I thought to myself as I went, I went and met with their, their deacons, their board of trustees, and they interviewed me. I said, you know what? I am going to stand right from the beginning firm on my faith. And Lord, if it's not meant to be, it will not be. But if you open the door, Lord, no matter what others think, of course, my brother was included in this, and that was an important part in that because I wouldn't have went without his approval. I said, you're going to have to talk to my brother and me also because I'm under authority. I will do it. And I remember telling them, I said at that board meeting, I said, you know, I am a Christian, and I have to follow my moral principles and the word of God. I do not believe as you believe in many areas, but I will promise you, if you allow me to come, I will always tell the truth. I will always preach from scripture, and you will have to make the decision whether you're going to give me the latitude to speak what God gives me to say. And I, it was a miracle. I thought for sure they'd say, no, no, you have to preach from the 
the Lutheran Digest or whatever. They said, we wouldn't want it any other way. We want you to come and preach. Well, I said, you, I said to myself, well, they say that now, but they haven't heard me preach yet. And so I went, and I, again, I said, Lord, whatever you want. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this today because God is dealing with someone here. I'm just going to use someone because I know it may be just one that this whole message is for. God is dealing with you about something that he's led into your path, and you can't make a decision because you're afraid. It may be that God is dealing with you about salvation, and you keep jumping around from place to place in your thoughts about whether you're going to do it or not. But my Bible is telling me to tell you today that today is the day of salvation because we are not promised a tomorrow. And God is telling me to tell you that the door may not always be open. The troubling of the water of this opportunity for your faith or the opportunity that God has given you to minister may not be there tomorrow. So stop and walk by faith. Trust in him after you've sought his face. You know what? I, I remember the first time and my daughter was living at home. Those three years, I was there three years. Three years. We, baptize, we were baptizing people. And they were, some people were starting to get mad because people were wanting to bring their babies in for baptism. And I said, well, guess what? Today we're having a dedication. But they knew why. I said, I, they don't meet the qualifications. And pro finally it got so bad that, that there was a revolt and, and I walked away. But there were a number of people that, that came to the Lord through that. Matter of fact, we baptized some right in our tank here. I'd bring them over to church and baptize them. But what would have happened if I would have said, I, I just don't feel good about this. It's too much of a chance. What about all the great pioneers of the faith? What about Paul? What would he have said, well, none of these disciples like me anyway. Nobody trusts me. But Paul said, I am the servant of Jesus Christ. In other words, the popular opinion poll does not mean anything to me other than his opinion. And if he sends me to the Gentiles, I'm going to be the apostles to the Gentiles. Regardless of how the Jews view me, I will preach the truth, the whole truth, so help me God. And the greatest apostle, and I believe he was the 12th, that ever came into existence came in because he received his revelations from God. Do you know he said that? He said, what I've received, I received not of man, but of God. He said, I went into the wilderness after my conversion. I certainly, he was certainly a scholar in the law. 
He sat at the very feet of Gamaliel, which was a, a Jewish rabbi, scholar, well-renowned. So he knew the law, but he did not know grace. So for three years after his conversion, Paul is absent from the body. Where is he? At ABI. At least that's what they told us at college. Arabian Bible Institute. He was out in the desert and God was instructing him in what he should say and do. Did he get the revelation of the second coming in the desert? Think about the rapture of the church. Jesus talked about the second coming, but none of the other apostles really mentioned it, except Paul. Was it because of his ability to step out in faith and prepare himself for what God had called him to do that allowed us to even have a hope of the second coming of Christ, where the, the trumpet of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise up first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the air? Did he receive that because he was willing to step out in faith and do what others had not done? You know, God sometimes forces you to do what he wants you to do, and you actually have to fight harder to disobey him than to obey him. The Bible says, to, God spoke to Saul, says, isn't it hard for you to kick against the pricks? Wouldn't it be much easier for you just to surrender to me and allow my spirit to move through you and work through you instead of resisting it? Don't you think that Stephen, when he preached, he preached it because he went so hard because he says, you resist God just like your fathers did, he said. God was trying to take them to a land of promise, but you resisted them because you were stiff-necked. You know, stiff neck is. It's one that you can't turn. I remember after having my fusion in my neck, how I, I'd come up to 59 and 67 and the road's on an angle and I'd have to turn my whole body and I said, why would they ever build a street like this? It's like, oh, we're going to see over there. But you know what? I could not pull out into traffic unless I could see. Now, some people say, well, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, here we go. Sometimes a stiff-necked person has the worst time traveling. Are we getting stiff-necked? Are we getting so involved in the ruts of our own theology or philosophy that we can't turn aside like Moses to see what the Lord is doing? Do you know that Moses would have never been sent back to Egypt if he wouldn't have turned aside and went to see? Oh, it's just another bush. Yeah, it's burning, but who cares? What's it going to hurt? You're going to burn up the desert? But something about the bush attracted him to it. Like, there's something divine going on here. Burn bushes just don't burn like that and aren't consumed. And you know what? Again, I'm talking to someone today 
the bush is burning next to you. Are you going to turn aside? Are you going to go to it and see if God is going to give you direction in your ministry? Well, you know what? The cost is pretty high. He wasn't so happy about his turning aside when the Lord told him where he was going. Guess what? I'm going to send you back to the place where they want to kill you. Not only will Pharaoh hate your guts, but the people of Israel will murmur against you and they'll talk behind your back and it'll be miserable for you. Have a nice day. Was it easy? No, it wasn't. Was it profitable? Absolutely. How many people were saved from slavery? Three million? Because he was willing to turn aside and take a chance and go back to a place that could have destroyed him, but he was willing to trust God to protect him. But you know when God calls you to do something, he gives you the tools and the equipment to not only fight the enemy, but to guide your path. He said, you know that thing you've been carrying around, Moses, that rod? You familiar with it? Absolutely, Lord. I've had that rod for 40 years. I've carried it. It's smooth. I know it. It's balanced. He says, well, you know what? I'm going to take that thing that you're the most familiar with, or your talent, which that could be a type of, what you are, what you know, and I'm going to change it so that it can do the miraculous. I'm going to take your ordinary life that maybe has never produced anything really that profitable, and if you yield it to me and follow me, I will make it do supernatural things. But before it to do that, you're going to have to go to the place where it will work. That's my will. It will only work under the direction of my guiding hand and in the will of God. Now, you can stay here in the wilderness and live with a stick. Or you can take the stick and you can follow me and you can split the Red Sea with it. You can throw it on the ground and it'll turn into a serpent and you can pick it up and use it again. That rod will be something that is powerful in your hand. But it's up to you. And you know what? I have learned after 40-some years that I can't make decisions for people. I can point them in the right direction. And you've heard the story about you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I have horses. I could jump on their head and hold them down, but I could never, their necks are strong. I could never get their nose in the water if they didn't want it in the water. So why frustrate myself? I'll take them out there. I'll lead them out to the water on a hot day. I said, I've done my job. Here's the water. Here, taste it. Does it taste good? Yeah, it tastes good. Not to me, though. Here, you drink it. You don't want it? Fine with me. You're the one that's going to suffer from it, not me. And you know, the same thing happens to all of us. God brings us to a place of provision. He shows us what he wants us to do, and he gives us a promise of fulfillment but ultimately, you are the one that makes the decision. You cannot blame God for your condition. Well, yes, I can. Look at me. I can't 
I can't pay my bills or I, I'm, I'm this or I'm that and it's all God's fault? Yeah, is that so? I wonder when God rolls the videotape in heaven and he shows you all the times that he met you along the way and offered to help you and you turned your back on him. I heard one guy say, you know something, Pastor? I've learned the harder I work, the luckier I am. Or the more blessed I am. Really? That's a good principle. The harder I work, the more blessed I am. What happens if you don't work? (laughs) What's the Bible say? If a man doesn't work, neither let him eat. A man doesn't provide for his family. In other words, these are basic principles. This isn't something new. Even the Gentile, the non-Christian, understands the principle of sowing and reaping. And so this morning, I'm not going to wander and try to beat this horse to death. I just felt so strongly. And you know who you are. And it may be a lot more than one. That God's trying to get your attention. He's either trying to pull you out of something and redirect you or lead you into something that you're afraid to go into. Or maybe he's asking you today to do what he's told you to do, but you have not done it to this point. I will share this with you as a warning. God's spirit will not always strive with men. You may feel uncomfortable. And you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for conviction. I'm glad when God makes me feel bad when I'm not praying like I should. You ever feel that way? Come on. You haven't touched God for a while and You've watched TV and you said to yourself, I should be praying. What am I doing? I should get up off my laurels and I should do what I should be doing. That's God. I'm glad he does that. God have mercy on me when he stops trying to deal with me because I could sail off into oblivion and be lost forever. But the Bible says one day, if I keep striving with him, he will just step back. Do I have an example of that? Absolutely. And you know this man, Judas. God dealt with Judas for three years. He knew he was a thief. He was a thief from the beginning. That's what the Bible says. Do you think that the the God of all heaven didn't know that Judas was stealing from the bag? Do you think the guy that could calm a storm couldn't recognize that one of his own disciples was a thief? Why did he allow him to hang around for three years then? Why didn't he just kick him out? He was working, trying to work with him, hoping that through the works of his hand and the teachings that he taught, that he would change. But the day that he betrayed him, that last supper, he said, the one that dips his sop... In the, or dips his bread in the sop is the one that will betray him, betray, betray me. It would be better for that man if he would have never ever been born. Was it God's will for him to perish? No. But after they had dipped this 
sop in the, his bread in the sop, Judas got up and he walked out the door and it says that Jesus said to him, go and do what thou doest quickly. What does that mean? That means I'm done. You can go. For three years, Judas, I've tried to be patient with you. I've tried to minister to you. I've shown you things that people on this earth would love to see, but you have saw them and participated in them. But if you are determined to do what you're about to do, I step back. And as soon as he said it, you know what the scripture said? Satan entered into Judas. And I, I preached on this a while back. The message was, as long as Jesus holds on, Satan has to hold off. But when Jesus lets you go, when he finally says it's your decision, you think you have problems now? So let's stand together. Is this a God moment for you? In, in your life, is this a turning point in a direction that God is allowing you to go and you're possibly missing it? One of the other greatest prophets in the Old Testament. There's two prophets that I really admire. One was Elijah and the other was Elisha. Elijah did a lot of miracles, but only half as many as Elisha. I like Elijah because he was so bold. He, he had such a ability to know his own mind as he went and he ministered to that Shulamite girl and then he sat by the river Chabar and, and ate from the, the, the things that the ravens bought him. He just trusted God and he wasn't afraid to stick his bony finger in the face of Ahab and tell him what was right and what was wrong. Such a bold, bold guy. But you know, even bold guys, even people that have served God all their life get tired. I don't care whether you've served God for six months or 60 years. Sometimes you just get tired of fighting the enemy. And that's a time when you're trying to find out which direction to go. Remember Mount Carmel? 400 prophets of Baal. There's only a couple hundred, 180 here today, but twice as many prophets that hated your guts standing against Elijah and mocking him and telling him, him, the people, that God was dead. And this one guy, middle-aged guy, balding guy, goes up and says, you know what? Do what you want to do. Do whatever you want to do and pray the way you want to pray. But when I come, my God will answer in a moment. And he did. He prayed a simple prayer and fire fell from heaven, consumed the sacrifice. You all know the story. And then the prophets of Baal were destroyed, those that were trying to lead Israel amiss. 
But what happened to him afterwards? One little old lady named Jezebel, she got upset and she said, you know, if you're not just like those prophets that you killed the day by tomorrow, the Lord, something like the Lord so do to me. I'm, I, I'm not sure if she said that, but it was implied. And Elijah got all nervous. And he went under a juniper tree. He left church. He went to lick his wounds. He had done so good up to this point by being faithful, but now he was tired and he was sick and sick of the people of Israel not for standing by his side. He felt like he was all alone. Do you ever feel like that? So you go lick your wounds at home and you talk about how nobody cares in church and nobody really loves God and it's not like it used to be. Hello, Elijah, licking your wounds underneath the tree. I just wish church could be like it was 40 years ago. Oh, great, it was great 40 years ago. I remember 40 years ago as I was pastoring. We had problems. 35. Got to forget college in there somewhere along the line. So he's sitting there and you know what? And I am finishing. God loved him so much. He didn't rebuke him. He sent an angel and said, basically said, I know you're tired. I know you're frustrated. And don't you think that I get frustrated with people that don't respond when I do great things? Don't you think that I get upset when I give them a, a morning sunrise and an evening sunset and a home to live in and blessings every day and they can't even pay attention or do one of the most simple things that I ask them to do? Don't you think I'm frustrated? The Lord had compassion on Elijah, but Elijah was making bad decisions based on how he felt. It says an angel came and made him a meal. You know what? Some of the meals that you get, you had no hand in the preparation of. God just gives them to you. Because you have a good attitude? <laughs> Probably not. You probably have a sour attitude, but he feeds you anyways because he, he, he's concerned about you. And it said from that meal, Elijah did not have to eat or drink for 40 days. God knew what he was going to do. You know what he was thinking to himself, Elijah? I just want to go back to where God was moving and where people were on fire. I want to go back to Sinai. I remember Moses, the stories of Moses and the fire on the mountain and the earth shaking. That's what I want again in my life. And you know what he did? He walked all the way down to Sinai. He went back to that place where Moses had met with God and he sat down and guess what happened? The fire came. A great fire came and it consumed all the brush. And, Mo, and Elijah thought, well, surely this is, God's going to give me direction. Not a thing. And then the earth shook, just like it shook with Moses. <laughs> Nothing. No word from God. And then a strong wind came and it broke all the rocks. It was a terrible wind. And he thought, surely God will speak to me now. Nothing. 
So he went back in the cave and he sort of pouted a little bit. And then a still small voice said to him, you remember what it said? Tell me, what doest thou here? You traveled all this way for nothing because I was already with you under the tree, the juniper tree, because you wouldn't trust me. And you can run from church to church and from city to city and you can try a whole lot of different things and think that you're going to find them there. But God is still trying to reach out to you where you're at in that still small voice to give you direction. And you know what his direction was? You know what? You're tired, you're old. Go and get a helper. Go get Elijah. Let him minister to you because I care about you and I know your limitations. So this morning, are you an Elijah? Are you the man by the pool of Salome? Lord Jesus and I, I know that you're dealing with hearts right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that the barrier of doubt and fear would fall at this very moment and that they could see the light of direction in their life. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.